today we're talking to Dr. Maxine Wilson, who is a Jamaican and she's living in Atlanta, Georgia for what, almost 30 years, Maxine? Yes, almost. She considers herself a community servant who is called to inspire and motivate. And, you know, I especially like this part where you fight for individuals, especially as it relates to equality and justice against housing discrimination, mostly. Yes. We can talk about that um, a little bit more later. She has occupied very high profile positions, which she has used to effect changes that have impacted her community positively. She has been featured in numerous publications, such as Business Week and Black Enterprise. She's a wife, a mother, grandmother, and just one of us, right? Yes. We're so honored to have you with us, Thank Dr. You. Maxine Wilson. It's my pleasure being here. Okay, so we're going to jump right in. So, um, usually, you know, I would start by you saying, giving us a background of who Maxine is. You don't mind me saying Maxine, right? That's fine. Yeah, absolutely Dr. fine. Maxine. Yes. <laughs> All right, so um, today our discussion centers around women and how we can forge economic growth in a time like this, right? Because of what, once again, because it's an ongoing thing, right? So mm -hmm. once again, we're faced with this whole topic of racism and inequality and just generally things that the Black community um, has been going through for umpteen years mm -hmm. one of the things that we want to talk about is does it make sense for us to be um focused on it or should we just move ahead and do what we need to do but before we get into that um i want you to tell me what it has been like for you because you work in corporate america and you're a black woman in corporate america yes. I don't know if the fact that you're Jamaican adds to that. Maybe we can take that out of the equation, but you're a black woman in corporate yeah. America. How has it been for you as we, we look at it through the, the spectrum of the racism and equality that, inequality that you have been facing? I've often had the conversation with a lot of people about what I face on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's very seldom come across as, well, it's because you're a black woman, but it's so ingrained in the institutionalized way that corporations do things that it's almost as if they're masked to say that what it is and they have a playbook that says it's everything else. It's the it's, it's a little bit of nepotism. It's a little bit of being of going for interviews and being told you're overqualified or you don't have the right experience that they're looking for. Or the one I never forget is doing an interview and the gentleman came back and said to me, oh, I can't hire you because you might just take my job. I mean, it's bold sometimes. Sometimes it's just hidden, but it's structurally there. There's a lot of ways that people uh, manage you by the book to keep you from advancing in positions. It's another way of this passive aggressive kind of behavior that you see in corporate America that rubbed you always the wrong way, but you have to temper how you speak because then you are the angry black woman, you are the confrontational person. It's, it's the control 
that so often keep you from shining and from growing because mm -hmm. it's you don't see it as fear but it is fear of the stereotypes and the labels that come that then become an issue for holding you back or a reason for passing you over mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i always face there and there was an instance when not so long ago i had my my degrees on the walls and stuff like that and my office was taken from me and i was put in a cubicle because those intimidated people so they were giving me a space that didn't match that wow they could never ever say your work is not good enough but there's always someone else i've been in an organization where a female boss told me um think of how much you have accomplished give somebody else an opportunity to accomplish something so it's run from being over to hidden to being in a process and a structure that always seems to eliminate you. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, well, you would have been working for a number of years. How have you, I know it's difficult and I guess there's not much control that you have, but how is it that you have been able to survive until now? Well, I let my work speak a lot for me you can deny me a lot of things, but you can never deny that I do my work and I do it well. Uh -huh. That I present myself well with that work. But I've also found a way to speak up for myself always. Understanding how people work. And one of the things that have always worked for me, whether it's being an activist or working in the corporation, is using their own rules against them. When I get into an organization, I learn their policies, I learn their rules, I learn what they do, and then I use it against them mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to keep me afloat. So <laughs> if they, if I go to my boss or if my boss is the problem, I find the next person to talk to. And when I go to talk to that person, I'm prepared. I go with the facts, I go with armed with what I need to have. And the one thing I learned to do is to how to manage the people who are supposed to be managing me. So I learned to manage, I learned their expectations, I learned how to manage their expectations. And I learned that whenever I'm asking something or I'm suggesting something, it's always in writing. It's always what? In writing. I keep paper oh. trail. Okay. I keep the paper trail always. I hold people accountable by that way. Mm -hmm. I am of the mindset that when I go into an organization to work, I don't go there to be liked. I go there with the idea that we have a contract. I you hire me to do XYZ, and I, when I do that, you pay me this amount and enforce that contract. Anything out of that is extra, and I, and I stand up for myself. So I present myself where I work hard, I do what is expected of me, sometimes a little bit more, so they can never question my work. Right. And then two, I learn how to speak up for myself, and I learn how to recognize that there are not friends in the workplace, there are not it's an employer-employee relationship, and I don't care what anybody tells you. There are no inner circles for me. Just do my job and go home. And yes, networking is key, but I let my work do the networking for me. Mm -hmm. I also understand the whole concept of how people operate, the brain drain. They transfer my knowledge so you can get whatever. I'm not always quick to share, to just willingly give away ideas and share with people. I have to always put it in a format where I can take I can be accountable for it. So I can say wow, this is you, you. how it's done. 
you have to be doing all of these things. You have to. Just in my mind, it's like a game. It's a game mm -hmm. of you staying on top, staying always. And it's a it's an awareness. It's knowing who you're working with, understanding how they function, and and then fitting in those pieces of it. So let me ask you this, with the whole matter of what is out there in front of us, George, George Floyd, okay, uh -huh. and what America and Black America is speaking out against, how has this played out in the workspace? Is there empathy from your white counterparts? Do they try to understand? Have you been getting, I know that we're all going through um, COVID-19 and you're probably not in the space with them but has anyone reached out to you to try and understand exactly what bl the black um, group of us are going through and what we're saying about the situation? Well one of the trends we've seen from this and from the movements that have been happening around this I think it's been happening for a long time I, I, I like yeah. to say because it's there in your face. You see it happen. You saw the life taken from someone. Right. There was no denying it. There was no excusing it, even though some people tried. Because one of the tendencies always have been, oh, you always say it's racism, oh, this, and, and but what about this? And what about that? And how come this? And, and people always try to explain things away or try to say, well, you didn't really see that right. And that's not what happened. But in this instance, there was no looking away there was no explaining it, it away. Right it was there for the world to see. It was visible. It was in your face. So a lot of corporations start to say, wow, we have to, a lot of people throw money at it. Um, we donate money. They throw money at it. So every corporation is donating 10 million here. Target is giving 10 million here. This one giving how much million there. And it's going and they're just throwing money at it. But for me, it's beyond money. It's beyond money. It's a system that needs to be dismantled and recreated because the system was set up from the initial, from the get-go to favor whites and to keep one race of people down. Mm -hmm. I think Bob Marley was ahead of his time when he wrote that song, War, because he was now it's most pertinent and it plays out very well. For my company, what they did, and we are grateful for the fact that we have a black female um, chief diversity officer and she reached out to me and she said look I need to do something I need your guidance and so what they did they set up a channel on the firm's page where employees were able to share their stories share their feelings they <laughs> took an hour out of a Friday and they said this is reflection take this hour to reflect and share with us what you're feeling for me, that was too reactive. It wasn't the real deal. So I wrote an op-ed to the company and placed it on there and it was published throughout the company. And my op-ed was from the perspective of a mother and a wife to black men. Mm -hmm. And about what we fear and how we fear it. And normally you would tailor, you know, try to be politically correct. But for me, it was raw, it was gritty, it was real, it was my feelings, there was no political correctness. Kind of like, if you didn't want to know the real truth, you shouldn't have asked me kind of story. <laughs> so I, having that opportunity to tell the story, I put it out there. Mm -hmm. I got a tremendous amount of feedback, especially from colleagues and including some of, you know, upper management people who said, you know, thank you for your truth. We didn't know. 
we didn't we, we we now we know you know what can we do and some talk about donating so and i keep telling them it's not the fundamental thing is when you see me respect me first as a human being forget titles forget lineage forget um station titles and all that kind of stuff i am a human being first human being yes so i tell i tell my organizations in, in my organization in the same story about the fact that I don't want lip service. I want a commitment. Mm -hmm. I want a fundamental commitment. There are simple ways. There are a lot of times where they hire someone in a helper position and they bring them in. And when they come, they allow them to bring their entire team with them. Even if it means they're displacing people and usually it's people. Wow. As an organization, to begin with you as an organization, the first thing, everybody jump around now because there are incentives after an outcry, there are incentives to say, I'm a diverse organization. Okay, so you're a diverse organization. A lot of them claim gender diversity, which I don't believe is true diversity, but you're a diverse organization, but what about the inclusion? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, diversity is more than just having a bunch of different color people in the organization. There is a socialization that even as black people, we all don't socialize the same way. We are, we are all not similarly educated. There are different kinds of ranges of qualifications among us. Where is the plan that says, every time that I'm gonna hire somebody, I'm gonna look for the best candidate, not based on whether they're black, white, pink, or purple, but the best qualified candidate. What about the fact that when I have candidates in my organization because I see a lot where our white counterparts are coach for bigger positions in the organization but no one take the time to coach your black counterpart I see simple in organizations when they have issues of staffing um, teams putting staffing teams together you'll seldom see a black person getting a prime anything in there so if you want to say that you're a progressive organization, don't rely on numbers or quarters or optics. Rely on leveling the playing field so every person within your organization, you shouldn't have a black person in your organization for 20 years who can unofficially do every role in that department. Yes. But then when it's time to promote, you say, well, you didn't have the degree or you didn't have the qualification. The degree and whatever qualification you're looking for is irrelevant because then you bring someone in with the degree and the qualification and ask that same black person to train them. Mm -hmm. If I'm good enough to train your new hire who's gonna be over me, I'm good enough to have that job. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we have to cut out this stuff about creating people coming out of college and they say, well, you need X amount of experience or you need this GPA it's, it's to have that job. Well, guess what? People socialize and learn differently. Mm -hmm. A GPA is a number on a paper. Just because you might have gone to college and had all the time in the world to just focus on studies and have these high GPA, and I had to work and do other things in the meantime, and my GPA is not as high, doesn't mean I don't deserve an equal opportunity. I have the degree. What does it matter what my GPA says? So I feel like we create barriers. Yes. And we create barriers that are thought out carefully to keep certain people out and to keep certain people at various levels mm -hmm. because people seem to always be shocked. I, I get this all the time when I do community work or I go places and I speak and represent myself. I always get the, Oh, you're so well-spoken. You should run for this and you should do for this. And you should, but there are many more like me where I come from. Am I the only person I follow you come in contact with that? That's articulate. 
it so 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 the barriers are created in the system so so you mentioned earlier and throughout the whole conversation where you speak about the fact that the system needs to be dismantled and i came across something quite recently and i want to ask you a follow-up question where it is concerned but i'm going to read it it's something from um tony oh god is that right so tony morrison yeah tony morrison and she says the function the very serious function of racism is distraction it keeps you from doing your work it keeps you explaining over and over again your reason for being somebody says you have no language so you spend 20 years proving that you do somebody says your head isn't shaped properly so you have scientists working on the fact that it is Someone says you have no art, so you dredge that up. Somebody says you have no kingdoms, so you dredge that up. None of that is necessary. There will always be one more thing. So I am saying the fact that you mentioned that the system needs to be dismantled. Do you really, really believe that um, we can see a better future where this whole matter of racism is concerned? Do you see where it can be changed? I think I think it can be changed, but what I believe is it's not going to be just the current system that's just going to suddenly police itself and dismantle and remantle that's going to make the change. I think we have to look at the new generation, the generation we're coming in, mm -hmm. whose focus is not on race or gender. That's who true. Who's very fluid. Mm -hmm. a, a, a set of young people who will risk it all for fairness and equality. That they don't care about the things that the old generation that's entrenched in the whole old money of slavery and the benefits of the old regime and the you know our society is moving to a, in a place technologically where that old generation that control things are not growing as rapidly in the understanding of where the where, where the future is going the hope is that when you talk to young people, when you, when, when you look at their views and their viewpoint, it's totally different from that, that, that hold me down generation. They just don't care about, they're, they're, they're entrepreneurs, they're innovative, they're creative, they use what they have, they can fashion things, and, and, but race and gender and all that is not a factor. Having money is not a factor. In fact, what they care about, it's, it, I call it a me generation. It's about, it's about how you make me feel, how you treat me, and they're gonna fight to make it matter. If you look at the protests out there, yes, you see some older white folks in there and stuff, but if you look closely, you see a lot of young change, no. change agents because what we view as status in this, in, in, in this life, you know, and what we view as bad marks of color, they don't see that, they don't care about that. So that's probably where that's going to change more than anything else. You'll see tiny drops in the bucket in organizations because if you look in company now, the people who are holding, and I told an attorney this not so long ago, and I said, you know, when you write to these organizations to sell to them, you have to appeal to the younger generation. And he said, I said, you have to show them if you have lawyers from X years to whatever to, to appeal to them. And he says, oh no, why do we want to do that? Because the decision makers, are now those that don't think like you do yeah so a lot of changes are happening 
but it's just happening at a pace enough for these organizations to get in good with the clients and the decision makers, but it's not changed enough to benefit the employees. Mm -hmm. See, as older generation, we have a loyalty to, and, and this is something why a lot of us have never achieved work-life balance, because it's all or nothing. To make that organization happy, to prove that we're capable, that we are worthy, and you know, you work hard for them, you give them your whole loyalty, you will put family business to the side to just make everything happen for them. This me generation says, when, my, when you say eight to five, when five o'clock, I'm done. I'm out. When you say I get three weeks vacation, you don't tell me how I take it. I take it how I want it. I'm out. I will take off from work without the pay because it's not that money is not that important to me. I want to go have fun somewhere. So yeah. that's the shift that we're going to see, but it's not going to come from people just tearing on what they have going good for them. Mm -hmm. A lot of organizations pride themselves on their history and the older they are, the more plantation driven they are. And when we talk about changing culture and organization, if you are a certain type of way, you're going to write, and if that's how the organization believes, you're going to write job descriptions and ads for recruitment based on what you know and who you are. So you're going to bring like-minded people in. Mm -hmm. that's, that's one of the, 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 the big things that we face. To make a commitment is more than just putting money to it. To make a commitment um, requires you to look at how you hire how you groom, how you train. It looks, it requires you to look at the barriers you've set up with requirements and you want, you, you want X amount of years of experience, but you want to pay $10 an hour for the job. It's, it's going to require you to do more than just say, I have some black people. It's not about quotas. It's not about optics. It's not about saying, well, I have X amount because they do surveys every, every year, end of every year to say, well, I have this amount of minority on my staff. It's going to go beyond that. Yeah. It has to go beyond that. I mean, it has to be equal pay. It has to be a fairness in everything that you do. And you have to be willing. If you feel like there are a race of people that have good employees, you have to be willing to train them up to be the next CEOs in organization. doesn't take anything from you to do that. So, so I think that's a, a good place to, for me to ask you this. So based on what we're seeing, and we're talking about how women can forge economic growth for themselves, for their communities, what is it that you think that we as women can do to create our own change right now? The first thing is we have to learn to truly support each other. There, there is, and I've worked for, I've always said, I prefer working for male bosses than I do for female bosses. Because while they have their quirks and their process of aggressiveness and that, women don't grow other women. Women seem to my experience, and I can only speak, I'm not generalizing, but my experience, I'm always a threat to another woman. Because, oh, well, you're so educated. Oh, well, you've, you've done so much. Oh, well, you've done, and it's always one more thing that I have done that make me that person that you don't want in the room with you. Or you look at me side-eye because if you share everything with me, all oh, you're going to try and get what I have. Now, I, I, that happens, but for me, I don't want anything anybody else has because I've always been grounded in my, in my spiritual truth that God will not give to you what belongs to me. So being patient and waiting and preparing while I wait for what it is that God has for me tells me that I'm never going to have what you want. So I don't want what you want. I want what God has for me because I believe in my purpose that he has for me. 
But that's my thinking. Yeah. But I get accused a lot of, oh, you're trying to overshadow me. Oh, you're trying to take over. So the first thing is we have to learn how to support each other and to grow each other up. The, the second part of it as women is that we have to have a plan for ourselves. Yes, we're a mother. Yes, we're a wife. Yes, we're all that kind of stuff. But we have to have a plan for us too outside of those other roles. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of careful thinking, not what somebody else is doing, not what I think, but a lot of soul searching, a lot of thinking about that. I was told by a, a woman mentor that if I, the opportunities I wanted and the goal I had for myself, I will only fully achieve those if I create them for myself. And it is true because if I was waiting on a corporation to give me the opportunity to do it, it's not going to happen because there's almost that always that one true. other thing. Yeah. So I've learned to take the time and to carefully take time, not in a rush because I'm getting laid off from a job or not in a rush because they don't want me here or because I'm angry, but carefully brick by brick laying a foundation for what it is that I want. Mm-hmm. But when I do that, I still run the risk of saying I'm going to put a product or a service out there and I may not be supported by my own starting with my own women because they won't be very happy for me in doing that because somehow we feel like we're always have to be competing rather than supporting and motivating and uplifting yes not everybody's called to do the same thing but when we have to remember if i lift you up in the end you're going to be in a position to be able to reach back and pull me up with you too that's how we have to feel about that it's a support system we're stronger together as women because we all face some of the same challenges, but we're stronger together as a unit than we are divided. And because the forces know they can divide us and how to divide us, we've never been a strong coalition together mm-hmm. because each of us have our own ambition and each of us, oh, and I'm not going to tell her the whole thing because then she's going to do it and use my, and do it. And then I, what do I have? You have to be confident that you're building someone up who in turn is going to pull you up. Yeah. Or together, you're all going to be a strong force yeah, to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I learned this when I was doing community work and the, the, in, in the housing thing, the gentleman wrote a, a training manual that said the psychology of minorities because in his mind, he could divide us. Mm-hmm. What he didn't bargain for was that when it comes to certain factors, we were going to be stronger together and we were able to put that thread that they couldn't break and that toppled a lot of things. So I've seen the strength of being together, but it goes back to the old adage of, of pitting the light skin against the dark skin, the long hair against the short hair, the pure one. And we still carry that mentality with us. And as women, we become so insecure that when we are doing something, oh, I don't want to share what I'm doing because, and we struggle with it because we're not asking for help because we don't want anybody to know. And we struggle with it because other people are not supporting us because we're always tearing each other down. When I was doing my PhD and I was doing my interviews, every woman I asked for an interview had an excuse why they couldn't help me. Wow. It was always something. I had to pull, and every person that I interviewed and I did, I did 10 interviews and every person I interviewed was a male. So it, again, it's not all across the board, but consistently we don't support each other. We don't work together. We don't build together. And that's where our growth is going to come from. 
because it's like a puzzle. Each of us have a little piece that can fit together that can give you a whole picture. And in turn, when we do something, we need to support. Is this common to our community or is it women, you think women in general? I have a tendency to think it's a little more, it, it's, it's universal, but it's a little more common to our community. And when I go into organization, I'm a part of a big women's network. And when I go there, you have a tendency to see people pull to each other. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to send you this. Oh, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to do this for you. Asians, and by Asians, I mean, you know, including Indians, but those people from the Asian continent, they have a tendency to seem to be so together that it's almost seemed like it's discriminatory against other races because they help each other and pull each other up and share with each other and that kind of stuff. And some of us will be willing in, in, in you know, in our community will be willing to help some, but universally, you don't get the same support you need within your own community. Everybody have a different excuse, why and why not. And as a business person, I'm sure you've come across where your support is not as strong as it could be. Mm -hmm. Because, and, and it's not anything you did to someone, it's everybody give excuses why they can't, you know, everybody doing competing things all at the same time. You know, I wanna play the devil's advocate. I think we're, we're coming to the end of our conversation, but I'm, I wanna play the devil's advocate and say that uh, from where I'm sitting, yes, what you're saying is true. And I think that it comes from something that is bigger than us. Yep. It's a mentality that we have somehow adapted along the way. Yep. And it's going to take a lot of unlearning for us to move out of that. But outside of that, um, where I'm concerned, sometimes I feel like I could be more supportive though. But this is the thing, with everything that is out there and everybody is trying to do something, you are genuinely not gonna be able to reach everybody. Right. You know, but the point is this, irrespective, there has got to be some kind of togetherness and not a division amongst women and we can't deny that that is a fact. Sometimes I, I, I would say to myself, is it that, you know, this, this, this term kindred spirit, is it that I connect with you because of your, who you are as an individual? Because as women, we are very intuitive. We can pick right. up on energy. Yeah. Right. So I'm saying, is it that I connect with you because I feel your energy connects with mine? You know, so I think there is a lot of facets to the fact uh, of, why you know we don't support each other but at the end of the day it still boils down to the fact that there is a lot of division among women and women deliberately alienate other women when they feel threatened and we need to move beyond that for sure well i think it's one other component to that is where we say that one woman who struggled so hard and sometimes we don't know their fight and their struggle and make it to that point up there, they're working so hard to maintain that because the struggle still exists. Now it's just more intense because you're higher than where you started. Mm -hmm. Is that one, some don't have that time to give another piece of themselves. And the other thing is that they're so busy trying to hold on to that that the alienation come because you can't let anybody else in because you've been struggling and clawing for so long that when you finally make it 
a few notches up, you're really thinking that I have to do everything. Now it's a different set of games you're playing to go a little bit more or to just maintain that. And you have to hold it on with your life. And you have to hold on for whatever. And because we have so much division, and yes, because we have some women who will set out to deliberately because they think that to get to where you're at, no, they have to tear you down rather than say to you, help me get to where you're at or show me how you did it. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Help me to get there. And those are things we have to learn as women to do for us to start to grow and overcome is the people we trust and care about, not to tear down, but to ask, what am, I, what am I doing wrong? How can I do it better? Or what did you do to overcome ABC? And how can you help me to overcome that? As against just trying to imitate, because when you start to try to imitate somebody, it feels almost like you're pulling me back. Ask. Help me to coach, to nurture, to nurture. That, that's what we have to do. As women, we have, we have the instinct to be mothers. I'm not asking you to be another woman's mother, but I'm asking you to use those instincts to nourish, to nurture, to, to grow, to guide. And, and that other person have to, I'm not saying carry somebody, but you can't waste your energy on somebody who don't want to come and do it for them. But if you're willing to pour into someone who's willing to do it, bring them along with you. Yeah. And I mean, the bottom line is that we are all different. And you mentioned the whole matter of imitation. If I try to do something that somebody else is doing in the way they're doing it, it's not going to work. No, no. I'm not going to have any success in that. I'm, no. I think bottom line, we need to understand that there's no need for this kind of vision amongst us because we have our own unique path to walk. Find your purpose, find your lane, nurture yeah. it and grow it. And even if you're doing the same thing that I am, we're not doing it the same way. The exact same way. The process is and not the same. I think for me, I became less confused when I, when I, in meditation and prayer and all that, finally received what I know now to be my purpose and stay within that lane of my purpose. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people do a lot of other things. Like, you should do this and you should do that. It violates my purpose. Yeah. It compromises my purpose. And if I am created to walk within that purpose, if that is what God created me and gave to me, then I'm violating my, the, the trust that he created me with. Mm-hmm. To do that when I try to imitate someone else. Mm-hmm. That's why I say I can guide you, but I can't do it for you and I can't tell you how to do it. And don't try to do it like me because my purpose is not your purpose. Exactly. And, and bottom line, that is all that we need to um, recognize within ourselves that we yes. each have our own thing to do and we just go out to do it. There has got to be, there, there, there doesn't need to be any threat of, you know, you're going to do it better than I am and therefore... I'm not going to have the kind of support that I need to have to make what I'm doing successful. You know, I don't, I don't look at those things. And we also need to remember that it's a process. It is. It is a process. And some of us might, you know, get to where we're going quicker than some. And some of us might be a little further in the process, but it is a process. Mm -hmm. It's a process. There is no shortcut to it. You have to put the work in and you have to do it and, you know, it, you can't just say, I'm going to copy what someone doing. You know, imitation is the best art of form of flattery, but it's, a, it's, it's more about purpose than it is about flattery. Put the work in. I heard somebody, I read somebody post once that it is flattery, but it, it still feels like you being a thief. 
Yes. At the end of the day, that's what it, it boils down to. That's what it feels like, you know. But Maxine, Dr. Maxine Wilson, I want to thank you so much for joining us on this conversation. And I am hoping that whatever was discussed will be of benefit to some woman out there who will listen. Yes. So thank you so much again. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. We will talk. Always a pleasure chatting with you. (laughs) (laughs) Likewise here. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye.